Good morning and Merry Christmas to all. Today's gospel reading comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 1 through 21, found on page 857 in your pew Bible. First of all, let us pray. Heavenly Father, Abba, thank you. Thank you for today, the day that you gave us, that we celebrate you giving us the greatest gift ever given, your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. These things I pray through his holy and precious name. Amen. The birth of Jesus Christ. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone about round them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and laying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as that it had been told to them. And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Word of God for the people.
It's debatable whether or not Jesus was born on December the 25th. A few years ago, I would say it was almost certain Jesus was not born on December the 25th. I've heard scholars say that this was not the time of the year when you would have had the sheep out um, in the fields at night. They would have been up in um, a cave or enclosure of some sort. And yet there's, I've heard some other later things that say that working through the time of um, Jesus's uncle's service of priesthood, one might figure the time of Jesus's birth. But the point is, the reason it's debatable and the reason someone might say it did not happen on this day is because it actually happened. It's a historical event that took place, meaning it had to have been at some point. And, and so the, the story of Jesus, and especially on what we're talking about with his birth, the incarnation, is that it takes place in real history, real life. It happens. In other words, we're not starting the story of Jesus with long ago in a galaxy far, far away. We're not starting the story of Jesus with once upon a time, which immediately tells you it's just made up. What do we start the story of Jesus with? Caesar Augustus was uh, declaring that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. That's a real place. These are real people. There's documents from the Roman Empire talking about Quirinius. There's historians who mention Caesar Augustus. This isn't the fabrication of a storyteller who's making something up. It happens in a real place, Bethlehem. I've been there. It, it, it's a real location where real people have lived since well before Jesus' birth. And so as we celebrate the birth of Christ, we're not celebrating some sort of uh, symbolic meaning that some religions have. You know, it doesn't really matter if it happened or not. What it really means is light overcomes darkness. It doesn't really matter if it uh, happened or not. It means the cycle of life continues. And No, that's not what we're saying. It's not just symbolic of something. It's a real birth, a real baby, real cries, real tears. It's not something that we say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter because what really matters is that you do certain things. You keep certain rituals or you uh, keep certain moral teachings or you do the right things. Um, and really, those teachings could have come from anywhere. It doesn't matter if it was Jesus. It could have been, oh, somebody named Brian, born about the same time, who's blessing the cheesemakers. You know, as long as it's just telling you the, the, the message that you need to obey, Completely not the case here because what's unique about Jesus is he's not saying obey these things and do these things. He's saying, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Who I am is what is important. He's not saying I'm pointing you to the truth and what to do. He says, I am the truth. I've opened the way. And so what we're, what we're experiencing, what we're celebrating is that God becomes flesh and dwells among us. That, that who you are and, and to have a human nature, to have body and soul, flesh and blood, to grow up, to learn, to experience pain, 
and weakness and suffering. He, he did all of that in Jesus Christ. God becomes um, flesh. In other words, something greater than all of the universe enters into the manger. Something bigger than everything that exists, as we just heard song, wraps its, his fingers around a young mother, mind-blowing of what it means. But, but, but part of what it means is eternity enters into history. Something that knows neither future nor past suddenly comes and enters into life at a particular moment in time and goes through time with us and does things and speaks things in real history, in real moments of life. And so what I want us to look at is how eternity has entered into time and has lived with us and what that means. So one of the things that means is that all of our claims about Jesus, everything we say about Jesus and and all of the scriptures is something that could be um, tested and proven wrong. Right, so like if if I had some kind of opinion about God uh, revealing something to me, and I share it, you know, if it's if I'm not making any historical claim, there's really nothing that can prove whether or not it's true or not. It's my opinion. But to say Jesus died on the cross under Pontius Pilate means that is something you can test to see whether or not it actually happened or didn't happen. To say he was born at the time of Caesar Augustus' reign, is to say it's something you can test and see, did this actually happen or not? And, and that, that, that means there's kind of these questions that should arise and can arise, but it also means your faith is as real as the flesh you're in and as real as the wood that you're sitting on. Because it's not just a vision that someone had and shared with us. It is a person who came and walked among us at a certain moment in time, in a certain place, and shared with us life. It really happened. So when you question, could God really forgive me? Does God really love me? That's not anything about looking into your heart and see how you feel. That's about looking at history and seeing Love was born in a manger. That, that's about saying that his, his, his arms were spread out on a cross and real blood was shared, uh, shed as real nails pierced real flesh. You are forgiven. As, uh, your, the reality of that is as real as life that we know because it is based in a historic event not something that is beyond us, not something that is abstract. He was among us and is among us in real history, which means this all confronts us with the question, do you believe it or not? Do you believe that Christ was actually God, dwelling in flesh, born among us at a time in history, that he came to save sinners that he came to pay the price of all the rotten stuff I've done in my life and all the rotten stuff you've done in your life, that if you you trust in him, it's taken to the cross and it's paid for 
and we're reconciled to God, that this is an actual thing that happened, not a myth made up, not a symbol of, of something that we feel, but an actual thing that people witnessed and wrote about and told others about. And, and the reality of that has to hit us, and here's the thing. If you trust that, what good news to know of God's love and his grace to you. And if you don't believe that, you might enjoy Christmas carols, but this day really means nothing more than Arbor Day. I mean, we have better songs, but there's no real meaning to it if it's just a myth, if it's just another man that was blown into more of a legend than he really was but if it is real, if he truly was who he said he was, and if what we're, we see in him is the maker of the universe, like the author of a play writing himself into the story, enters into our story, that means everything is drenched with meaning and purpose. One of the things about Jesus entering into real time, real space, real history is, it changes everything. Every part of the scriptures play a part in Jesus's story. They're not just little stories that tell us um, examples of how to be good boys and girls. If that's what you think, you haven't read those stories. They're, they're, they're not. <laughs> what they, they're showing us is God's plan to redeem us through Christ Jesus. From the moment of our fall to his coming, everything is pointing and plays a part in real history. Joseph, um, not Jesus' daddy, but Abraham's grandson who, no, Jacob, Joseph, Great-grandson. Anyway, Joseph, multicolored coat. You know who I'm talking about. I'm thinking about shepherds. Don't get me on the Old Testament. Here we go. Joseph in that multicolored coat. Do you remember the story? He, he sold into slavery in Egypt. He goes and he's working for someone and Potiphar's wife, Potiphar, the guy he's working for, Potiphar's wife um, makes a pass at him and he runs away and he's accused by her, and then thrown into jail. His obedience and his purity meant him going into jail, which had to think, man, I'm doing what's right. I'm getting punished for it. But do you realize, had he not been thrown into jail, he would not have been brought before Pharaoh when the famines came. He would not have had the vision to interpret the dream and tell um, Pharaoh what was going to happen so that Pharaoh could prepare for the famine, which brought Joseph's family down into Egypt to get bread and to come and live there when the rest of the world was dying from famine, saving God's people, saving the people whom Jesus was told to be born from. Joseph's act of obedience was laying the foundation for Christ's birth. Boaz, the faithful husband of Ruth, in his life, he had to think, I'm just going to do what's right. I'm going to do what's right to this, this, this poor widow who needs help. I'm just going to give her what she needs. And, and as she comes to him and he um, does all the right steps to make her his own, and they have a child who's 
descendant is David, who is the ancestor of Jesus. It wasn't just happenstance that Boaz and Ruth meet and he's a good guy. It's all part of this story that's pointing to Jesus. Real people, real families, real sin that has to be redeemed, but real goodness that is shown and used as God is working his story to bring about the Redeemer. Which means, now on the flip side, it's not that he does that, he goes to the cross and the rest of us go about our business. It means your life too is part of this story that begins with Adam and Eve, that goes through Abraham, that goes through Moses, that goes through David, that goes through Jesus, that goes through the disciples who carried that message to others, who shared that message with others, who then shared it with others, who came down to whoever told you about Jesus. And the faithfulness of people who have guided all of us and have shown kindness and love and grace to us They were used as part of this story of redemption that God is working in Jesus Christ because it redeems history. It's not just something that we kind of dream about and look about or look at ourselves. We live it out in our ordinary lives of loving our families, of loving our neighbors, of caring for others, of suffering, of hurting, of forgiving. Everything you do matters. Every thought you have, every conversation, every choice you make is drenched with meaning because it plays part in this story of eternity entering into time. And it's working either for salvation or damnation. It's working for part of his plan of redeeming for himself a people because this babe that was born at a moment in history, lives life, tells us of who God is, shows us who God is. He goes to the cross. He suffers, yet he conquers the grave, and he shares this message with others and entrusts to others who hand it on and hand it on. And if the Lord tarries, those that we share with and those that we guide will share it with the next generation until Christ has fulfilled the number of his elect and brought them into glory. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you that we um, have been drawn into this story of redemption. We pray that we would be faithful, uh, that we would trust, and that we would do what you would have us to do. Let us be mindful of how all that we do is part of your working out and part of his story because we are in him. We ask all this in Christ's name. Amen. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the words of the Apostles' Creed.